But I, interestingly enough, took more musical cues from my sister growing up. She, so she was born in 80. I was born in 87. And as a young girl in the 80s, she listened to a lot of New Kids on the Block. And then in the 90s, it went over to Boys to Men. So those were my first two favorite bands, which a lot of people are surprised to hear that I'm a blockhead. But I wanted to be Jordan Knight when I was four or five years old. Every year, Christmas Eve, I put on a concert. It was all New Kids on the Block and Boys to <laughs> Men songs. And I still to this day, I'm like, the Christmas Eve's got to make a comeback at some point. Uh, they came back in 2008. They've been touring ever since. It's like, I got to do it. I got to do that just for the ha-ha's. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train today, though since my guest is from the Jersey Shore, I'm sure he will come up as it normally does. I have a podcaster, fellow podcaster, and he just named his top three bands, and I'd never heard of two of them. <laughs> so, Gerard, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm sure there's plenty we'll be able to dig into and learn from each other here today, too. So thanks for having me on. That's, yeah, this is great. Tell us a little about yourself. Give us your elevator pitch. I professionally, I'm the founder and CEO of Underground Music Collective. We're a digital music resource and multimedia services company. We're based in Nashville. Before coming here, we were known as Lehigh Valley Underground up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That was where we were primarily a music blog publication. We still have that element to what we do, but we're definitely focusing a lot more than we used to on the educational components of the music industry, as well as the client services components. I'm also the host of the Quinn Spin podcast, as you mentioned, fellow podcast. Caster. That was actually the origin point of the whole ecosystem for UMC and what would become UMC 10 years ago, uh, back in Jersey, my childhood bedroom is just me and a USB mic and an idea. And since then, we've had so many amazing opportunities to, of course, interact with folks like yourself and learn about this entire industry and the ecosystem and the history of it. And it really informs our work going forward as far as what we do and why we do it to serve and to help people get the most out of their creative journey because it is a journey and it takes a lot of moxie to continue on this path and do it right. So we're trying to provide more and more of the resources for people to do that. Gerard, you mentioned education. In what method, what, in what context are you talking education? So a couple of different ways we're in, incorporating education into our platform. We have a Wednesday wisdom series where we have a contributed article from a music industry expert every single Wednesday on the underground music collective site just talking about their experiences, talking about their insights into the industry, what they've learned, lessons, and just things to think about as our emerging artists or independent creatives 
continue on their path, right? So there's that. We're also doing a series of virtual panels right now. We've got one, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but April 19th is our Jazz Appreciation Month panel. We had a couple prior to that. We had one for International Women's Day in March. We had a Black History Month panel in February. And it's just to give people from the industry insight into different segments of the industry, different genres, and the challenges people face, the lessons they learn, and overall how these different segments of the industry feed into the whole. So those are a couple of ways. I'm, of course, I through the Quinn Spin, I do solo missions as well, where it's just, hey, this is something I've experienced. Have you experienced it too? Telling my story, what's coming up for me in the hopes that whoever's listening or watching, it resonates with them as well. And we have a chance to connect on that and maybe start more dialogue. So a few different ways we're trying to educate and just inspire conversations to make the industry better and more equitable for everybody involved. I just had someone come to my office. One, one of the things that I find interesting about that is since we are no longer in school, learning from someone else, copying from someone else's paper is no longer a bad thing. One of the things that I love, Bruce in one of his lines says, if I had one wish, talking about his children, that your mistakes would be your own. The idea, don't make my mistakes. I'm telling you what I did incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, let's make your own mistakes because we're all going to make mistakes. So I think that's a very healthy thing to do to say, this is some of the where I've tripped myself up during my creative journey. And if I can help anyone miss that stumble, I it it makes it where I've learned from it and I've let someone else learn from it is a very healthy, good thing to share. I appreciate that. Yeah, and that's the intent because it's been 10 years since I started the show. <laughs> mm -hmm. It'll be 10 years in August since that night where I had the idea. And there have been stumbles. There have been things that I just didn't know things that I just like, you can't help what you don't know to a degree, but, and sometimes you have to learn the hard way. So I've had the chance to learn hard lessons. I've been through plenty of ringers in my own life, along my own journey, whether they were professional, whether they were personal, and I've successfully navigated around them to the point where 10 years later, I'm sitting here talking to you and we're on the cusp as a platform of some pretty tremendous things. And so I, we recently launched an artist coaching program as well at Underground Music Collective, where we take those lessons. We take, the, I'm taking my experiences and imparting it to other people to help inform their journeys, but also like lessons as far as time management, goal setting, accountability, like all these things come into play, defining your mission, vision, and values. So there's that whole movement of start with why, right? You have to know why you're doing something and you have to know, you know, your intent behind it, your long-term vision. So you know what you're aiming for. So you know what you're moving toward, right? And so it's intended, it's designed to help people move toward that and to better inform them and give them the tools and even the internal resources to deal with things as they come up and to navigate this tricky road because it is, it's multifaceted. There are tons of unexpected things in life and in business that can come up. So it's all about your mindset around it and how you choose to navigate it and respond to those things when they come up. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah, good lessons there all the way around. And that's a valuable insight I've been doing this on and off probably since 2012, 2013. The podcast just hit a thousand episodes and congratulations. Thank you. I, they, and we, the talk about it. And when people ask me for advice, I do a couple of simple things. I go one, make sure you're doing something that you enjoy talking about. I guess there's a market out there, but I don't want to be part of the market where I pull into, I download a podcast or I stream a podcast and the hosts are doing nothing but complaining about blank, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a record, whether it's a movie. And that doesn't mean you can't have episodes where you go, I really was hoping this would be good and it wasn't. But I remember there was a Doctor Who podcast that I ended up quit listening to it because the two hosts every week were just complaining how horrible the Doctor Who series was at that time. So I always say, make sure it's something you enjoy talk about to always have some episodes in the can. Mm -hmm. You never know when life is going to get indoors. So you want some bank shows. And three, have fun. Make sure that who knows? You may strike rich 
some lightning and this might be a podcast that does bring you in money. But most of us are doing this just out of love or just because we enjoy talking about this and make sure that happens. Those are very general terms. And I love the idea that you're giving, you can give more specific ideas and thoughts about it. So good. I'm going to be sure and check some of those out because I'm sure there's things I could learn. Oh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's, I always like to start at the beginning. So Mm -hmm. talk about, you mentioned growing up in Jersey where Bruce was in the the water and in the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. but talk about growing up. What kind of music did your family listen to? Did they listen to music when you were a kid? Yeah. So it's interesting. So my dad was definitely more on the doo-wop and Motown side of things, Sinatra, all that stuff. He was born in 1950. So that was his era. My mom was more into Elvis, some of the Motown stuff. Disco Inferno was her favorite song by uh, who does that song? I, Earth, Wind and Fire, I think it is. Disco Inferno. But I, interestingly enough, took more musical cues from my sister growing up. She, So she was born in 80. I was born in 87. And as a young girl in the 80s she listened to a lot of new kids on the block and then in the 90s it went over to boys to men so those were my first two favorite bands which a lot of people are surprised to hear that i'm a blockhead but i wanted to be jordan knight when i was four or five years old every year christmas eve i put on a concert it was all new kids on the block and (laughs) boys to men songs and I still to this day, I'm like, the Christmas Eve's got to make a comeback at some point. Now, they came back in 2008. They've been touring ever since. Like, I got to do it. I got to do that just for the ha-has. But, I think you should. I yeah. love that. And the studio I'm in right now, like we have a live stream. So I've had the thought of recording something and then just sending it to my family on Christmas Eve one year. <laughs> I'm surrounded by musicians in Nashville too. So we can make it pretty cool. Even though I might not be that talented, they sure will be. From there, I... Once I got into like middle school, high school, that was when I, the nineties, two thousands, new metal was a thing. So it was, I played football in high school. So it was Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park, Corn, Disturbed, all of that stuff. And then as high school went on, I started broadening my palette a little bit. Incubus was one, was a revelation for me. Bon Jovi, of course, going into high school, they had that crush album with It's My Life, which was a huge single for them and was such a, such a turning point in that band's career was a comeback album in a sense and it brought this whole second wave of fans and i was part of that second wave you know and since i've had the chance to go back through the back catalog and follow along ever since and i've got a lot of respect for john and what he's built there over the years and the fact that he's run that thing as a business person like i can appreciate what he's done from a business sense in terms of building this band from sayerville new jersey into this mega monolith that tours the world and packs arenas and stadiums to this day. So Bon Jovi was a big one. Our Lady Peace came came along for me in high school as well. Canadian band, if you're not familiar with them, but they had a couple big hits down here in the States around the turn of the millennium. 2002 was their Gravity album. Somewhere out there, you might remember that song. Innocent was a big one for me off of that album. And over time, they became my favorite band. Through college, they released a couple records through college, a record in 2005 called Healthy and Paranoid Times, which just really resonated with me when it was released. It was really a more world-aware, mature record for them. And it's got some really good cuts on it. The song Angels Losing Sleep, it's looking at, it's the opening track and it looks at the state of the world and how how distressing it can be. Around that time, 2005, there were a lot of things going on in the world. It was post 9-11. There were shifts happening all over society. And a lot of the songs on that record really spoke to that time. And then in 2009, they released Burn, which is my favorite album of all time, still to this day. It was just, I, 
in describing that and why it's my favorite album, it was just so immediate for me. Every song on that album, I could just trace to a moment in my life around that time, that summer, fall, 2009. There's a song on there called Refuge, which is about becoming a father. And I'm not a father, but I became an uncle for the first time in 2009. And my niece and I are super close. And it's just a song about you welcome this person into the world and you do anything to protect them. There's a song called Escape Artist on there, which is Still to this day, I think my favorite song ever. It's just this killer, like summer nights ballad, just so powerful, so dynamic. And it's about closure and how sometimes we don't always get closure and we have to be all right walking away. Uh, Paper Moon's the closing track on that album. I still think it's one of the best closing tracks on any album my own. It's just about going through the grind and knowing you got to wake up for it again tomorrow. And what are we doing this for? What are we marching toward? That kind of thing. So they off of that album, they started to take the lead over Bon Jovi for me. And then the Dirty Heads came along right around the end of college. Oh, go ahead. to Dirty Heads and oh, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, you've talked specifically about that album. Yeah. And you've answered this, but I wanted to give you a chance if you can. Mm-hmm. I often ask the question, when did you, I usually ask when I have a Bruce fan on, when did you first discover Bruce and what about his music spoke to you? Mm. You've answered how Our Lady Peace spoke to you, Mm. but I wanted you to see if you could, if you were summation, like doing a presentation, and here's why this is what Lady Peace's music means to me. Okay, I'm glad you asked that question because it does give me a chance to elaborate and go before Burn Burn all the way back to that Gravity album, yeah. which is when I, which was my entry point. I was yes, that was another case where I became a second wave fan because they had this whole era before that post grunge in the '90s, you know, where you know that's where a lot of their major hits came from. But I became a fan in 2002 with Gravity, which was somewhere out there. And I remember hearing that, seeing that music video, maybe on MTV2 or something, be like, okay, this band's pretty cool. I like them. And then my sister got me that CD for Christmas of O2. But then that became a very important album in my life in 2003. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm a cancer survivor. And that was the album that was in my disc man at the time. When I'm going, it was a very brief bout with cancer. I had a very malignant tumor on my left ring finger, which you'll notice is no longer there. The finger too. It was 16 days from diagnosis to surgery. And that album was just sticking out to me. And some of the songs on that album like resonate with me to that, to this day. Melanoma, I take it. No, it was, it was a a soft tissue sarcoma in my finger. It was like, yeah, it was a like tumor in there and it was in, it was encapsulated, which means it hadn't spread anywhere. And the thing is, if it had spread, it was so malignant that they didn't think radiation or chemo would have done anything. So I didn't go through chemo, but also it's a good thing that I didn't have to try it because it probably wouldn't have worked and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. And so there's a song on there, Innocent, the song I referenced. And that song is very much a coming of age, trying to find yourself, find who you are in your place in the world. And there's a line in there. Let's see. Gina loses faith in what she knows, hates her music, hates all of her clothes, thinks of surgery in a new nose, every calorie is war. She wishes she was a dancer and that she never heard of cancer. And that line, like at that time in my life, that album's still new, it's still fresh, it's the most recent, and it just struck a chord to where when I finally saw them live in 2012, it was like cutting onions when they played that song, that line came up. But it's emotional to think about now. And then other songs on that album, Sorry is another one. You know, it starts off, today's a reason for living, today's the blood from a stone, today's the light from a candle helping us to find our way home. And that, I just remember the day after diagnosis, we go, we visit with the surgeon who would end up doing the surgery, guy by the name of Earl Fliegler, who was brilliant at what he did. And he 
like I just remember standing out front with my parents and we're just talking about this whole situation. And that song was just like on a loop in my head for some reason. And still to this day, like it resonates with me. And there's another song on that album called Not Enough, where it's more, it's this harder edged, I wouldn't call it a ballad, but you know, when you, it's, it's really about those moments, at least to me, where like life is testing your strength and it's testing your mettle and you're having to find a way to push through and just accept what you can't control. And so there were like that entire album, but those three songs in particular really stuck out to me and still do to this day. I have a playlist on Spotify called 41503. And I have a little ritual that I listen through those three songs and a few others. And they're very important to me and they're very important to this story. And, you know, really formatively was my, my very powerful entry point into that band for me. And that's why I think the seeds were always laid for them to become my number one <laughs> off of that. That was my intro. And then ever since just the following records just solidified that for me. So March, 2017, I'd been having stomach pains mm -hmm. and it would come and go. And it was finally, it was on a Tuesday and it was actually going to be, it was Mardi Gras Tuesday. And I was just in so much pain. My family doctor said, go to the emergency room. So my wife came home from work, picked me up, took me to the emergency room, made the joke that, boy, you really know how to show a girl a good time on Mardi Gras. <laughs> And in the hospital, and they go, we think it's a tumor. The next day, we now know it's a tumor. We think it's cancerous. But the third day, yes, you have colon cancer. And there was a Sunday where everything went wrong. My wife and I had a huge fight because we both were worried. And the, the heart doctor said, you, I don't know if your heart's strong enough for surgery. We're going to have to test. And everyone, I politely pushed everyone away and I'm alone in my hotel room and I had my phone and I created a F cancer playlist and I started putting songs that meant a lot to me. And one of the first was the Springsteen song, All That Heaven Will Allow. And that's more of a love song, but there is the last verse is, now, some may want to die young, man, young and gloriously. Get it straight now, mister. Hey, buddy, that ain't me. Because I got something on my mind that sets me straight and walking proud. I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. And that idea of, no, I, I don't want to die gloriously. So I created this F cancer playlist that we had surgery. I had to go through chemo. And I, that's all I did during chemo is I had my playlist. I didn't read a book. I didn't watch streaming. I just let them put the chemicals in me. And my chemo was a little weird. I didn't lose my hair. It made me feel like crap. But for the first, the 10, two, it was a three-week cycle. In the first two weeks, you couldn't drink anything cold. Anything cold, holding cold was incredibly painful. Then you'd have a week where you could drink something cold, then it would start all over again. And so when I'd go to that chemo, I would just sit there 
listening to that music with my eyes closed and throwing it out there to everything, to God, to the universe, to everything. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to do this. And that music got me through it. So I'm so glad you shared your story because that's one of the reasons I started doing this podcast is the magic and power of rock and roll, of country music, of jazz, of classical music, whatever genre, hip hop, that music is our is our, the soundtrack of our lives mm-hmm. and gets us through the good things. So thank you for sharing your story. Of course. And thanks right back at you for sharing yours. And I agree. The power of this medium is unlike anything else. The feeling it can create and the way that a certain sound, a certain layer of instrumentation can really capture a moment. And that's for me, like I look at, I look at music as that, as a powerful portal into who we are and how we choose to express ourselves and show up and how does it serve a particular mood? What does it evoke in you? And that I think reflects in my taste across the board. It's a diverse palette and there's something for every mood. There's something for every situation and just trying to, and and sometimes it's good to just have those go-to songs that like help you find that hope or at least that understanding. And that's something about Our Lady Peace in particular that I've always, like that's always resonated with me is just the ability to just speak to a moment and it might be presented cryptically in a lyrical sense, but like the mood captures exactly, it, it just, it communicates to you exactly what you need to get out of it. And that's the thing that I think Rain Made has just been brilliant at when his lyricism, making it cryptic enough, but accessible enough. And then everyone else colors it in to create this mood to where you can take your own meaning from it. And that's something that I really appreciate about their songwriting and other artists as well, who I've, who I've gravitated toward time and time again. That's the factor is, okay, anybody can make music, but what's behind it and what is it? How does it connect? And that's really the most important thing for me. Their music, one, it is a time machine because there is those songs that will bring you back to when you felt horrible in high school or when you felt great in college or right before you went on the football field, both in high mm-hmm. school and college. Yep. I read that you were, you played. I- and the other thing is, I do another podcast where my co-host and I are going through John Hyatt's catalog in alphabetical order, known more as a songwriter than an artist himself. But we talk about don't let the truth get in the way of a good story just because, and there's emotional truths versus factual truths. And sometimes our artists tell a story that maybe just started with a gem of an idea, but they there is an emotional truth to whether you're fighting depression, you're fighting addiction, you are fighting, you're trying to find your correct partner in life. And that story becomes your story. Mm-hmm. That you know, and one of my favorite stories, and I say this a lot on the podcast, but I just think it's so true. The same the famous writer Isaac Asimov was in a lecture and he was talking about a short story he'd written and someone in the audience raises their hand and says, Dr. Asimov, that isn't what the story's about. And Dr. Asimov says, I wrote the story. I think I know what the story's about. And the 
audience member goes, why do you think just because you wrote it, you know what it's about? And in his autobiography, Isaac says, I realized he was right. Mm-hmm. I realized that I know what I thought it was supposed to mean. But if it means something else to you, it becomes your truth. And that succeeds me as the creator. And I think that is music. Bruce, I bet you had no thought when he's writing this love song. I want all the time, all the time I haven't allowed would never be used. I have seen people on that meet Bruce that are facing physical disability and tougher than the rest is their favorite song. Once again, he probably wrote it as a love song, but it has become their anthem. No Retreat, No Surrender was one of mine for the cancer. So I love this idea that this music became part of you and helping you. So well done. Well done, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And it always continues. And like what I love too is depending on the era of your life, you can come back to those songs and it can take on a different meaning. Like that song Escape Artist, I referenced off of Burn Burn from 2009. Like at first, like I viewed that song in a more relational context after relationships would end. Want closure, can't get closure, got to move forward anyway. But then when I lost my mom in 2015, it took on an entirely different meaning. And I think having done my research closer to the original meaning intended when Rain wrote those lyrics, but like closure is closure. And no matter what the context is, where you get it or you don't get it, there's still that feeling of what do I do now? Where do I go from here? And it's interesting to me how songs can take on different meanings, depending where we are in our lives, what we're experiencing. And even looking back on a moment where it meant one thing and looking at our growth and how far we've come, it's really powerful in that regard to to inform our journeys forward giving us that look at where we've been and what we were feeling at that time to celebrate our progress and also assess the ways that we still would like to progress it's everlasting it's evergreen the music that resonates with us stays with us regardless of time regardless of trends it connects beyond a certain sound a certain a certain trend a certain this is what's popular now and it's what endures over time it's what really sticks with us Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it is that reflection. I remember when, this isn't a song, but it was a book. I read The Stand right when it came out by Stephen King, and I thought it was this great adventure novel. And then after I'd had our child, the beginning of the book with these children dying, I was like, oh my God, this is the worst beginning ever because my context had changed. I'd done that. That's awesome. I also wanted to mention the your story about your sister being your influence, going back to that, is a common theme on this podcast. Siblings are so important to us because either we are influencing their musical choices or they influence ours. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's something that also still continues and has taken different shapes over time. Like it started with the whole, this is what she's listening to. So this is what I'm going to listen to. Back with New Kids on the Block and Boys to Men. And when when the New Kids reunited in 2008, you best believe we were both there. I never got to see them during their first run. I, my, my dad took my brother and my sister... God, I had to be two. And of right. course I was two. I wasn't going to giant stadium. So in 2008, like I came home from school to go to, I guess it was the IZOD center in Rutherford at the time. 
And that's where they had the reunion tour in 2008. So like finally got to have that moment. And my sister, after the whole like boy band and pop thing, when she was like a kid, moves into the teenage years, it's the nineties Nirvana. Bush is probably her favorite band of all time. Huge crush on Gavin Rossdale she had. And I remember being eight, nine, drawn mustaches on all the posters, <laughs> being the little brother that I am. And, but it's interesting because that's come around full circle in recent years, a few years ago, right before COVID, Bush and Live were touring. And guess who was the opener? It was Our Lady Peace. And, oh, wow. And it just so happened I was going to be up north while that tour was rolling through Allentown, Pennsylvania. So it's, we got to go to this and we got to get good seats because it's your band and it's my band and we're going to, we're going to make this a thing. Yeah. And that continues even today. Cause like Bush was just here in town at the Ryman in February. And I actually was invited to go as press for Devora, who was the opening act. So I got to go to the Ryman and shoot photos, not only of Devora, but Bush. And I got some good shots that I might be hanging on to for a Christmas or birthday present at some point, but sh- don't tell her. <laughs> she should. Nah, she's not listening. No, nah, she's I not think. listening. But we we do share that connection. And just in general, it's, it really is something that bonds us because my sister and I are very different people in the way we live our lives. She's way more grounded than me in the sense that she wanted to teach. She wanted to have a family. Like she's She lives close to where we grew up. She lives a simpler life than me by conventional standards where I'm the crazy uncle who moved halfway across the country to build a thing. And with that, there's this respect there between the two of us. It's like, we get why the other is the way they are. And we don't try to change that. We, we just understand it. We respect it and we support it however we can. There have been some milestones here recently. She's the first person I call. She's the person that gets my text rants at midnight when I have an idea or something I need to vent about building this thing and vice versa, you know, and but a lot of that does just start in this musical connection that's taken shape over the years. And just yesterday, we were talking about like essentially ranking new kids on the block album. <laughs> so this one was actually better. It didn't get the love that it should have gotten, that kind of thing. It's interesting how music has always been there. It's funny too, because like I've never really thought about how much music has informed our relationship until this conversation. So it's an interesting, uh, thank you for shining a light on that because it's interesting to me. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. What's next for UMC? What, where do you want to go next with your underground music collective? To the moon. And then maybe okay. more. Uh, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're on the cusp of a lot of exciting things. The educational services, the educational content, that's ramping up. We are also on the cusp of launching creative services division to underground music collective. We're going to have people in-house, photographers, videographers, graphic designers, web designers, UMC verified creators who are going to help fulfill some of these client projects that I get approached with all the time. And what I realized earlier this year was like, it'd be great to have people on the team that can fulfill these because it's going to give the clients more amazing content to work with. It's going to help these folks build their portfolios and it's all going to be featured through our platform. So we're going to be rolling that out sometime this spring if we haven't already. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, it's just onward and upward, just finding ways to grow, finding new ways to reach people. We're going to be continuing the virtual panels, a lot of the outreach that we've done, of course, engaging with folks like yourself. Like this has been a really, so far in 2023, it's still early, but it's been a really transformative year for us, for the platform. The Quinspin, of course, celebrates its 10th birthday this year. We have some exciting things planned around that later this year. We have our whole Nash Live brand where we produce events, a lot of independent music events with emerging artists here around town. Plans to take some events outside of Nashville as well, maybe later this year. So details on that are coming later this spring. 
the sky's the limit and being 10 years in. And I think this was the year that it finally really has all clicked for me as far as what we've got here and what it can be from here. Because when you're in the weeds of it, and I'm sure you know this, you experienced this building your own platform, like you don't really have a chance to smell the roses too much and really assess like how far you've come. But when you do take those moments and take a breath and see how far you've come, then you realize, okay, I went from point A to point B. I can get from B to C and C to D, and this can keep getting better. And so for me, like, and then for all of us who are coming into the fold here in the whole UMC ecosystem, like it's such an exciting time because like, I'm realizing the limitless potential of this platform that's always been there that I've always known deep down. It's always driven me forward, which is why I'm still doing this 10 years later, despite whatever life has thrown but it's internalized now. And that's the point it needed to get to for things to really take off. And I think we're about there. So stay tuned because there's a lot happening. Weekly episodes of the Quinn Spin every Thursday. And I give a little bit of insight into the process, especially on the solo mission episodes, as far as where we're going. Stay tuned because there's a lot happening. Do Is there a particular artist client that is there is there a profile of who or is it wide open on who you like to work with so i we've refined this because what i've learned over the course of 10 years is you can't be all things to all people people are different levels different points of their journeys that kind of thing so where we're really looking to work with people is people you know who understand that independent and underground do not run counter to being a professional Like you can still be a professional. You can still give it your best at bat because the whole point of an underground movement is to eventually rise up from underground. And so that's the meaning that the underground in our name has taken on over the years. And we want people who like, yeah, they're independent, they're emerging underground, whatever term you want to use, but they're also serious about taking steps forward. They don't want to stay at the same level. They want to grow. They're hungry, not only for success, but the growth that comes with it for the lessons that come with it. And they want to share that wealth with the ecosystem, with their communities, with the people in their lives, with their fans to have an impact. And so we want to work with people like that who, yeah, okay. They're, they might be just starting out. They might have a couple of years in the game. They might still be trying to grow regardless, but like they have a vision in mind. They know what they want to create and it's our job to help us to help them get there. Whether that's through coaching, whether that's through the services we're offering, whether that's through our content. And it's your independent musician who also sees themselves the themselves as a professional and who treats what they do as a business and maybe just needs a little bit of help doing that and a little bit of guidance as far as what steps to take next. The I'm going to Put your hat, your fan hat back on. Though mm-hmm. I feel like we could talk another two hours about that business because the idea of not everyone wants to be the next Taylor Swift. Right. There, I want to make good music. I want to make good art and I want to be challenged. I want to be. And I want to be appreciated. And that doesn't necessarily mean it means different things to other people. Right. But switching back to your fandom, I always like to preface this. The amount of times you've seen your favorite band perform is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Right. You, I was born in 1959. I 
my dad moved around a lot. We settled when I was in the eighth grade in Louisiana. And so not a lot of chance to see bands. If you were in high school or college in the 70s and the East Coast, good chance if you wanted to see Bruce, you saw Bruce a lot. Right. Right. So for the records, I know you've mentioned how often have you seen Our Lady Peace and it, do you count? Yeah, yeah. So it's five. The count's up to okay. five. Which, considering they don't come stateside all that often, and they never come to Nashville, is pretty impressive. First one was 2012. That was Philly. Mm-hmm. 2014, my buddy and I, my, my friend Scotty Rock, my co-host from the Quinn Spin, who pops in once in a while, we drove to Niagara Falls for that one. That was their only U.S. show in 2014. 2017, I went to... Irving Plaza for the Clumsy 20 tour to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Clumsy album, which was technically before I was a fan, but I've gone back. Mm -hmm. And and then 2018 went to Philly again. And then 2019 was when they opened for Bush and Live in Allentown. So it it, it counts up to five. They're tied with New Kids on the Block for the most all time. I've seen New Kids on the Block five times since they were united from 2008 on. Last year, I actually, I went by myself here in Nashville. I'm like, you know what? I never got, this is making up for that giant stadium show. I never got to go to. <laughs> so I'm nice. going gonna, I'm gonna to even the score here. I'm going to go. I just got 300 level seats and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have myself a night out yeah. on the town. Have you got to see Bruce perform? I haven't. Although my buddy, Dan is a huge Bruce fan and he's seen, I think the only artist he's seen more than Bruce at this point is Dave Matthews. Cause he's seen Dave Matthews 41 times, okay. but he's seen Bruce a whole bunch. I never have seen Bruce. No, I, again, Bruce for me, like, Bruce was always around, but I always yeah. like I always grew up thinking like Bruce was a little before my time. If that right. makes sense. Whereas Bon Jovi was like hitting it hard when as I was coming around to high school, late mm-hmm. middle school, early high school. So that was always yeah. the side of the tracks as far as the Jersey bands I, that I resided on. But there's so much respect for Bruce in the catalog and just what he is still at this point in his career able to do. Another band that I really love is the Killers, and they. Brandon Flowers in particular has taken a lot of Bruce influence to the point where they've collaborated a couple of times. And like, it's you know, no matter who you are, I think it's really, it's hard to ignore the influence, and the impact that Bruce has had on just modern rock and roll and what it is and what it means to truly be a rock and roll showman in this day and age. You see it, you see all kinds of modern acts, the killers being one of them, Bon Jovi being another who like, are so inspired by this artist and by the E Street band that like you see so many of those elements like making their way into the music and it's going to carry on for generations. Long after Bruce is gone, you're still going to have bands that capture certain elements of, you know, of that essence of what they put forth. And so definitely a bucket list thing for sure, if I can swing it, because there are just certain acts that like, if you grow up in the same time as them, or you share the same time on earth with them, you should make an effort to see. I would, I would definitely count Bruce among those. Billy Joel being another one that I haven't had a chance to see yet, but he's still out there doing it, packing arenas. Just like there's this level of appreciation that as a fan of music, even if you haven't taken the deep dive as like a super fan that you just, you, you have to appreciate and you can't ignore the impact that they've had. Yeah, I, a couple of tours ago, he was here in Dallas and Bon Jovi was playing the next night. And for the encore, John came out and they did glory days together, which was <laughs> a lot of fun. Oh. Yeah. That was a whole lot of fun. You get a chance, by the way, I am my partner, I do a Babylon five podcast 
and one of my co-hosts is from Canada, and we he has me going through the Tragically Hip, a deep dive mm -hmm. into them. That is another band that never really clicked here in the U.S., mm -hmm. but massive in Canada. Yeah, and but if you get a chance to go the next time, Our Lady Peace, is there songs you're chasing? Are there songs that you haven't got to hear live that are on your little bingo card? Yeah, escape artist. I missed the tour in support of Burn. I was in college and sure. I was broke and was not going to Philly. Actually, I think I might have been, I might have been down the shore when they were in Philly on that tour. It was August, so I missed it. I missed the boat on that. That was like the only time I had a chance to hear my favorite song ever alive, and I missed it. So I would love it if they bring that out of the vault. It's a little lesser known, but sometimes they do bring those gems out. When I first saw them. In 2012, they brought a song out from Healthy and Paranoid Times called Picture, which they hadn't played in a while. And I don't know if they've played it since that tour, but it was one of those like once in a while, they will pepper something in there that you're just not expecting. That's definitely one I would love to hear more songs. I'd love to see them while they're still supporting the Spiritual two Machines 2 record that they just put out because there, there are songs on that run, Holes, like who where they might not play them every show, but like those are really some standout tracks on that album. And like going back through the discography of Spiritual Machines 1 came out in 2000. And like, I would love to hear If You Believe. I think that's one of the best songs in the catalog. I think it's criminally underrated. It's just a great modern alternative rock song. And every time I hear it, it just gets me amped. <laughs> and I think it's the strongest song that I'm one of my favorites in the whole catalog. I'd love to hear those and songs I've heard before at their shows. Maybe I've heard them once or twice. Angels Losing Sleep is another one. The title track off the David record, their first record. I, they usually play it, but for some reason, I've only gotten to hear that once in person. And I like the opening bass line. It's just such a groove. And like, it just gets you, it just gets you in this free feeling moment. And it's, it's just a great live concert moment, that song Navid. And I'd love to, I'd love to hear that again the next time I get to see him, which I don't know when that'll be. It's got a time up as far as that me going to where they're going to be, or maybe they make a trip down to Nashville. Every time they post tour dates, I do post in the comments, like come to Nashville. So one day, and I know somebody's reading them because they're really good with their engagement. So I'm hoping eventually we get enough people demanding they make a stop down here i know they're going to texas in may so who knows but yeah i mean they're i could probably list off a bunch of other songs i'd love to hear but honestly it's just a great experience to get to go see them anytime i get to and i don't take those opportunities for granted i am going to do a deep dive starting with that album and check it out because i had it was said i did not recognize the name and i want to you've in you've piqued my interest. The So yeah, I will, I have your contact information after I listen, I'll shoot you a, hey, this is what I liked. Because part of the fun of, it's cool to find a new band, but then it's also really cool to tell the person that kind of lent you that to go, hey, I did check it out and I did enjoy it. So good for debt, great. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Anything I should have asked you that I haven't. No, I think we covered it. I do want to just, one last note, speaking of the Tragically Hip, there's a song on the Somethingness record from Our Lady Peace mm -hmm. called Ballad of a Poet that's actually dedicated to Gord because Gord passed a few years. Exactly. And it was about his experience seeing Gord perform for the first time, which then inspired him to go and do this for a living. Wow, like, okay. And it really informed like the artistic process and the way he approaches live performance. So mm -hmm. if you're looking for a Tragically Hip tie-in, 
the somethingness record, Ballad of a Poet. But as far okay. as questions, I think we covered it. Underground Music Collective, we talked about that, the Quinn Spin deep dive into my musical history, some dives I've never gotten a chance to take. So I think we, we cover new ground today here. I even got to analyze my relationship with my sister. So we had a good time. Then my, then I have done my work. I will feel very comfortable. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to wrap things up. I'm going to let you tell people how to reach you. But before that, we have to ask the Mary question. It is tradition in my podcast that I end every podcast with a Mary question. The concept, Jay Armstrong, who was an honors English teacher who retired, but when he was teaching, he would take Bruce Springsteen's song, Thunder Road, and break it apart as if it was a poem. His students would study the lyrics. They would talk about the themes. They would talk about the imagery that Bruce was using. They would compare this to other American poets like Robert Frost. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So, Gerard, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Oh, man. I don't know the answer to this question. So there is no answer. It's like the lady and the tiger. Okay. Remember that short story where you. Okay. Yes. So there is. This is purely because the song. Mary climb in. Mm -hmm. This is a town full of losers. I'm pulling out of here to win is the official lyrics. Now, sometimes when he sings it live, he says we're pulling out of here to win. But technically. He leaves it vague. I'm going to say no at first, but then he came back and then that's what changed the live lyrics. Something happened to where his relationship with Mary evolved to where he went back for her and then they went off to win. I love it. That is a great answer. That is great. If someone wants to hear, learn more about your podcast, to learn more about your programs, how can they? UndergroundMusicCollective.com is our central hub for all things independent music, community, creativity, and more. The Quinn Spin, Two Ends and Quinn, Two Ends and Spin is on all your favorite streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We also post the episodes in video format to the Underground Music Collective YouTube channel. You can follow us on all the socials at UMC Nashville. We'll take you to most of them. Definitely Instagram, definitely YouTube. Those are our main two and Twitter as well. And Nash Live shows at Nash Live shows on Instagram if you want to find out what's happening on the local scene from a live show standpoint that we're part of, then that's where you can do that. And all of it's connected. If you go to undergroundmusiccollective.com, that'll take you there. And if you want to follow me personally, it's at Gerard Longo 12. It's mostly UMC stuff, but occasionally some fitness and family stuff too. Nothing wrong with that. My friend, this was a blast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we connected. I'm glad we got to talk. I got a new band out of it. So I'm excited. Very nice. Listeners, go check out the website. Check out a couple of episodes of the podcast. Look to see if anyone's coming near you guys and check it out. If you do have been listening to Our Lady Peace and you're going, send me an email or send me a tweet going, Jesse, why haven't you checked them out? Or if this is new for you, let me know that as well, what you think of them. But for now, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at Set Lusting Bruce. 
you can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.